Hello and welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope this message from our senior leader, Brent Lieberzeit, both empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. So uh, we start a new series this, this week and we'll go for a few weeks and it's titled, Can I Get a Witness? Which... Uh, it's an interesting, interesting dynamic, but this is what it's about. So let me share. And I love what Joseph was saying about how sometimes you can be in a session uh, and hearing somebody speaking and the Word of God just being opened up and in such a way that you get so excited on the inside, you want to jump up and shout. And, uh, and this has got nothing to do with, can I get a witness, by the way? But uh, I just love the idea, that idea, because I've, I've experienced those moments time and time again myself, where you just, the revelation of the Word of God becomes so real that there's something just leaps within you. You get so excited about it. And it's just truth, really. And it's understanding that truth. And, and it really is a very, very powerful thing. Hopefully you get that this morning as I speak. And uh, anyway, can I get a witness on that? The question of all time for many of us is wondering, would there be a great concern uh, when we finally reach heaven's shores? You know, uh, when we get to heaven, will we still have a concern? Will there be a concern? Because it's interesting because the Bible says there'll be no crying. There'll be no sadness. uh, There'll be no death. Uh, there'll be, you know, there'll be a whole lot of things that there won't be that we've experienced. And there's no suffering, but it doesn't say there'll be no remorse. And I wonder about that. I wonder if there will be remorse when we get to heaven. Uh, what of the, you know, that, that kind of thought, oh man, if only. You know, here I am, but this kind of question mark of, ah, oh, if only. And, uh, you know, we know that, the Bible says that in my Father's house are many mansions. And Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. How many of you know you've got a mansion awaiting you? It's being built right now for you. But you know, I'm kind of sad about it as well because I kind of think, well, how many are going to be in my mansion? And for some of us, we may be the only ones. I know, it's pretty sad to think. But I find that in our Western culture of Christianity, that we become very self-centered. In other words, we keep it to ourselves. And this idea of witnessing and this idea of sharing our faith has probably become less of a priority. And the greater priority has been, well, what can I get out of this myself? And my, my worry is that we get to heaven and we look around and we go, oh, okay. Well, it's a great time of worship knowing Jesus and seeing God and it's going to be amazing and all that. But it's going to be so amazing that I'm probably going to wish that I'd shared a little bit more. I'm probably going to, it's going to be so amazing that I wish my friends, my family were going to be there as well. I think Jared will make it. I'm not sure about, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but is there... Will there be that dynamic? Um, and, and I think probably most of you would probably say, well, I don't know if that's theologically correct, but I've got a couple of scriptures to share with you, Is that, if that's okay, just to back that up very quickly, and then I'll go into what I'm talking about in regards to, can I get a witness? 
In the Gospels, Jesus tells us story after story after story. It's Luke chapter 15. In fact, there's a whole lot of other stories, but this one, this chapter is powerful. And it talks about this lostness. The, the first story is about the lost sheep. There's 100 sheep that a shepherd is looking after and one gets lost. And 99 are left in the paddock and the shepherd is so concerned about the lost one, he goes after the one, even though the, even though the 99 now are on their own, but he knows they're okay, they're safe. He's determined to go after the one. And he goes and finds the one and he comes back and he's, there's celebration and there's rejoicing. He gets all his friends and family together and they just party on down. But listen to what Jesus said as he's telling the story. Jesus said this, he said, that there is, uh, I tell you, in the same way, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous who do not need to repent. There's a rejoicing in heaven. He talks about the lost coin and then he talks about the lost son. And every time he's saying there's gonna be a great cosmic celebration at that moment. And you wonder, well, how does that work? Because is it just with God and the angels or is there a great cloud of witnesses that are actually looking out or hearing about this one sinner that repents and there is an uproar in heaven with that happening? And you kind of think, wow, isn't that awesome? Isn't that powerful? And then there's this other story where uh, a rich man who is, you know, obviously rich and wealthy and, and there's another man at the same time, his name's Lazarus and he's a beggar and he's trying to get the crumbs off the table of this rich man. Anyway, the story goes that the, uh, the, the beggar dies and uh, goes to be with Abraham, goes to this particular place. And Abraham's there, all the, all the uh, descendants, are, you know, the patriarchs of old are, are there. And, uh, and Jesus is telling the story and this, the rich man dies as well. But the rich man doesn't go to be with Abraham. The rich man dies and goes to hell and is in torment. And, uh, and this is an interesting story uh, because it says here that in, in hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And so he called to him and he said, Father Abraham, which is interesting that he calls him father, which means he was part of the family. He wasn't some kind of stranger or someone who was outside of that dynamic. But he says, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, my son, <laughs> interesting that he says son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us, there's a great chasm. In other words, we cannot come to you and you cannot come to us now. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. See what happens? He's died. He's in hell and in torment. And what he, he realises he can't save his own soul right now. But even in that place of torment, he begins to think about his family and begins to think about those who don't understand, don't know and haven't heard necessarily or haven't had an answer or haven't answered themselves to the call of God on their life. He says, look, I beg you, send Lazarus to my father's house for I have five brothers. Let him warn them 
so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, look, they have Moses and they have the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And Abraham replies, he says, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff in this story. (laughs) But the point I wanna make this morning is understanding the plight of the rich man who realised his own soul is lost in hell and tormented, turning his focus by wishing for the salvation of his family. Please, would somebody tell them? Would you send somebody? Would somebody warn them? Surely the greatest sadness of all heaven's eternity is gonna be who's not gonna be there. Does this sound a little bit kind of intense? Um, but I, I, look, seriously, have you ever wondered that? Uh, I, I wonder at times if, if we make witnessing, because this is about, can I get a witness? In other words, it's a heart cry from Jesus to say, look, if there's anything you are not going to be able to do when you're in heaven, it's to be a witness. The only thing that you will be able to do right now on this earth, the the thing that you can do is actually be a witness, become a witness. You kind of think, well, Bren, I don't know the four spiritual laws or I don't really remember the Roman road. And some of you will know what I mean by that. Uh, there's, There's been evangelistic crusades and seminars and conferences we've all been to. And yet for some reason, we find it difficult to actually embrace this understanding of the Holy Spirit coming upon your life and now being a witness in all of, you know, the Bible says Samaria, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. We are all called to that. But how does it work? How does it look? And I wanna give you a couple of thoughts, if that's okay, that we would abide by as a, as a church, something that we would value hugely because I do think that for some of us, we've made it too hard and therefore we've walked away from it. And and yet we don't, and maybe it's because we don't really understand the plight of eternity or really understand what it's gonna be like when we are in heaven in our mansion with many rooms and many many, many spaces, but only just us in it. It's gonna be pretty lonely. And I don't know if that's really God's ideal, right? True? Can I get a witness? Good. Okay, uh, I, wonder, I wonder if we struggle to witness because we feel like um, we don't feel spiritual enough or uh, it's simply, you know, life's tough enough. I, I kind of feel like I'm just scraping in myself by the skin of my teeth. Or, or it might be that we're just too busy. There are lots of reasons why not, lots of excuses. And they might all sound plausible, uh, you know, I didn't pray for that divine appointment today, so I, I didn't really get an opportunity or, or I didn't get, uh, God didn't show me anyone to share with today, so I didn't get anyone to, to share with. Uh, and I want to give you two thoughts that maybe might help us with this because I think, and, and by the way, these thoughts are so simple that even a saved, non-evangelical, non-gifted, non-talented person can do it, Okay. So this is, this is not backing you into a corner and saying you have to be an evangelist because not everybody's called to be an evangelist, but everybody is called to evangelize. <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> All right. Oh, so here we go. And it, and it begins in Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. And it's a story of Jesus and the disciples 
who are with a very large crowd and they were in Jericho and they were about to leave Jericho. They were leaving the city of Jericho. And uh, so that there's this crowd, like it's just hustling and bustling, like it's a very large crowd. We don't know how many it is, but it would have been a lot of people because there were a lot of people following Jesus at that time, plus the 12 disciples. I mean, just the 12 disciples would have been hard enough for Jesus, right? But not just them, but also a huge crowd. So they were leaving They'd been in Jericho. No, they were now leaving. They were going elsewhere. Uh, they were out of there. It wasn't just a little stroll. They weren't uh, just going to kind of like walking around town. Uh, they had an objective, and that was to get to the next town. And as they were leaving the city, a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. See, can't you see Jesus is leaving? Come on, Bartimaeus, you keep quiet. We're busy. We've got a destination. We're on the go. Jesus has got miracles to do in the next town. Just leave him alone. You should have been at the temple just yesterday when Jesus did this amazing altar call. You could have responded then. But here, no, there's no opportunity for that right now. You've missed your chance. Can you imagine? I'm, I'm paraphrasing, right? Uh, but you can imagine. But, he, but what happens? He shouts all the more. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49 it says, in amongst the hustle and the bustle of the crowd and the disciples rebuking this guy, Jesus what? Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped and said, call him. What did Jesus do? He stopped. He was on his way somewhere and he stopped. You know, when you're traveling to work and you come to an intersection and the lights are red, what do you do? You stop. How many of you know it's horribly inconvenient? <laughs> but it's really good for your health. Right? When you're driving somewhere and your wife says, I need a coffee, what do you do? You stop as the obliging husband. Again, inconvenient, yet also good for your health. Not necessarily the coffee, <laughs> but the fact that you stopped for your wife. When your fuel light goes on and you're trying to get from A to B and you realise that getting to B is not going to, you're not going to get there with the fuel you've got in, the most inconvenient thing ever created was to actually have to stop and to fuel up. How many of you hate fueling up your car? Oh, okay, not many of you. Some of us do. And if we didn't fuel up, we wouldn't get there. Nothing worse than running out of fuel on the uh, motorway. But what do you do? You stop. Again, horribly inconvenient. We don't enjoy being inconvenienced. We are not, we do not have that culture. We are not an inconvenient culture. And we have lost the power and the art of witnessing because of it. On an island in Fiji uh, that we've had the, uh, uh, you know, the pleasure of experiencing uh, several times. Uh, I remember one particular day, my wife Viv was caught running in Fiji. She was running along one of the tracks, and, uh, and she was caught. So in other words, they have traffic cops over there, not in cars, just people uh, who uh, stop people from running. Their whole motto and their whole theme on the island is slow and steady. 
stop running. We are slow and we are steady here. That's Fiji for you, believe it or not. Uh, and so some of us, so some of us, we're, we're running so fast, we are missing life with people. We are missing opportunities that can impact someone's eternity. Our ears have become dull to the cries of a generation that are yearning for hope and purpose because we don't have the time or the energy to look after you when we are struggling to just look after ourselves. However, we, we learn, don't we, that when we have concern for others, we find our own problems seem to take better care of themselves. And yet the Bible says you're called to go as well. Called to go, go and be, make disciples, go and make, be a witness. And the problem with some of us is we just go, go, go. Thinking we are doing what Jesus said, but somewhere in our going, we have got to realise we are here. I remember a few years, for, for a few years at the beginning of our ministry, we, uh, we would go and pray every year in regards to where God wanted us to be. Until one day, probably about three or four years in, we realised that we weren't going anywhere else, that this was it for us. And it was a massive revelation for us. The natural fact that in our thinking of going, we realised that we had gone. You have, you, you, you're going, you've, you've gone, you're here. <laughs> Does that make sense? You're actually here. Too much of us, we kind of think about the grass being greener over the other side of the fence. But in actual fact, you're here and you're planted here. This is your place. This is your space. This is your people. This is your community. This is your city. And this is your nation. Now, can I get a witness? <laughs> right? You and I must make a pact. We must bring salvation back. Oh, I thought you were going to keep going with it. You know, like, I was going to hand it back over to you. There we go. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped while on His way and the incident got recorded and people are hearing about it 2,000 years later. 2,000 years later, I'm speaking about it today. I'm speaking about Bartimaeus. Many of us, we hear the story and we go, well, yeah, Jesus did an amazing miracle. And yep, if we call out to Jesus, He's gonna, he's gonna uh, heal us or, or whatever. Yes, that's true. But really, really, ultimately, that only the opportunity happened because uh, Jesus stopped. He heard the cry and He stopped. And by the way, by the way, Jesus will stop for you. He'll stop for you. And right now, maybe this is a moment. Uh, right now, look, when Jesus stopped, he said, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said, I want to, I want to be able to see. And Jesus replies by saying, your faith, go. He said, go, your faith has healed you. And I want to say to somebody here this morning, that there's enough faith right here for you to understand what it is to know salvation. There's enough faith in your life. The Bible says it only has to be as large as a mustard seed, which is probably the size of a pinhead. That's how much faith you need because once you start to work in that aspect of faith, it begins to grow. As you, look, look, there's enough faith here. If you're calling out to God, saying, God, would you save me? If you're being, needing saving, 
If you're needing salvation in your life, if you're needing healing in your life, if you're needing something of, of a work and a power of God in your life, there's enough faith in you. See, Jesus, this is the cool thing. Jesus didn't preach the gospel in its full entirety. He didn't start from Genesis to Revelation. He didn't talk to Bartimaeus about the four spiritual laws. He didn't, he didn't uh, talk about the Roman road. He didn't give the, the five things that Bartimaeus had to do. He said, your faith has healed you. <laughs> and boy, don't people need that today? Your faith. It's that you've, you've actually got something in you that can actually bring a dynamic of the work of God in your life that brings to you salvation, brings healing, brings hope, brings purpose. Amazing. Don't you just want to leap up and scream? Isn't this, like, isn't this true? The power of God. He is so powerful that all you need is a little mustard seed of faith. And when it connects with the power of God, something begins to happen. Transformation takes place. Your life can be totally changed. Your marriage can be healed, restored. Your, your sickness can be healed. Darkness can be turned to light in an instant. There's enough faith. And you know what? That's the witness that we need to be. To be able to come along somebody, alongside somebody and say, hey, your faith. There's enough faith in you to believe. There's enough faith in you to know that it's gonna be okay. There's enough faith in you to actually recognise who Jesus is. It's amazing how many people who have never even been in church and yet when they get into a tricky situation, like a, a tricky situation, will cry out to God. Will cry out to God. God has set eternity in the hearts of men and women. There's eternity, it's set. There's a knowing, there's a knowledge of. And there may be somebody here this morning, if you don't know Jesus, if you're not in relationship with Him, if you kind of feel like your faith has been, has so diminished that even that mustard seed of faith, you feel like is not enough. I'm here to tell you, it's enough. It's enough. And if you're prepared to open up that seed of faith and allow it to connect with the power of God, something amazing can happen. Something amazing can happen in your life. And things can be never be the same again. Never be the same again. But let me just pray. I'm just gonna pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for this opportunity right now, just that seed of faith being planted. Not just planted, but beginning to, to sprout forth. Because I know there's people here who need to get in contact with you, get in connection with you. And I thank you, Lord. And I just thank you, Father, right now, the power of God connecting with, with each one Knowing, knowing, Lord, that maybe they feel so far away from you, but and yet, God, you're so near, so near. And the nearness of you, the instantaneous nearness of you, not just being outside of ourselves, but, but you coming in and abiding in us. And us abiding in you can just be like that, like that. You just say, Jesus, I ask you into my heart. I ask you into my life. Forgive me of the past. Help me to walk a new way. Help me to walk in a new place. I need you, Jesus. That's it. That's it. We repent of the way that we've been going because we realize we can't do it on our own. And we turn towards Him and we say, Jesus, would you lead me now? 
I can't lead myself. I need you to lead me. The way I've been leading is just leading everything to death and destruction. But I thank you, Jesus, that you give me life, life in all its fullness. And right there, right there, right there, you can hear a pin drop, right there, faith begins to rise up. Right there, faith. Faith for salvation. Faith for healing. Jesus, I'm sick. I need your healing. Faith begins to rise. Your faith, go, your faith has healed you. Restoration. Hope. Purpose. Fulfillment. Life. It's here. Right here. Right now. Right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can I get a witness? It's not an outreach event or a missions program, which are all good things, but will only impact a few. This is about every one of us because you know you can do it. Stop. Just stop. You're here. Stop. Stop running. It's simple enough to understand, yet difficult, because I have to be willing to give to stop. I have to be willing to be inconvenienced to stop. And I have to be willing to help to stop. It mobilizes me to do something right, to do something right where I am right now not thinking about what I need to do or where I need to go or who I need to pray for or who I need to, what, what God divine appointment I need to be believing for, but it's just stop now. Stop. It has nothing to do with training. It has nothing to do with calling or gifting or personality. It's simply understanding that I am living in purpose, which means that everything matters. My time with friends, my time with family, my time with workmates, schoolmates, my time at the checkout, at the supermarket, we have the opportunity to change somebody's world just a few minutes at a time. That's what Jesus did. He stopped one day as He was travelling with a large crowd around Him. Talk about inconvenience. And then the next question, I think that goes along with that is, well, who do I stop for? Who do I stop for? And we would kind of think, well, it's got to be these ones or those ones or the ones I've got a real heart and concern for and uh, the ones I'm really believing for, my family or my friends or, you know, who do I stop for? Someone would say, well, you know, you really reach the ones who are like you. Well, that's a bit of a problem. But hard to find anyone like anyone else like you, eh? We're all unique. But this is all about noticing and including and helping and adding value to people in your world. To reinforce this is not just about looking for divine appointments or evangelistic encounters, although these things are all good and can be part of your evangelistic life, absolutely. But we are talking about simply learning to be inconvenienced and to help someone in your world. So who do I reach? Well, let me just share this thought. 
And it's found in Acts chapter 17 and verse 16. And it says this, Paul, verse 16, Paul is waiting for his team to turn up in Athens. He was, uh, this is the Apostle Paul. And he was greatly distressed to see that the city of Athens was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue. In other words, he spoke in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as speaking in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. With those who happened to be there. Paul was so moved by compassion as Jesus was. They began to, he began to speak to the people. And he went to the synagogue uh, and, and he went to the marketplace with compassion, expressing his concern for the spiritual well-being of Athens. Paul speaks to a group of people who just happened to be there. Let's not get too spooky about this. Stop and just work with those who happen to be where you are. He wasn't speaking to those he knew would be there or those he prayed would be there or that God showed him would be there. It was just those who happened to be there. No planning, no preparation or selectivity, no advertising that he was coming into town. Paul simply spoke to those who on the day he was there happened to be there also. And I think we need to learn to interact more with people who just happen to be there. Sometimes we're so busy looking and praying for the right person in the right moment, we actually never encourage anyone or help anyone. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness is all about reaching people who just happen to be there. It's not selective or careful or focused on the seemingly uh, more open ones. You don't find them by going looking for them, but by simply including them and loving them. I'll say that again. You don't find them by going looking for them, but by simply including them who are already there, who happen to be there and loving them. They just happen to be there. So stop right now. Thank you very much. Somebody somewhere today is crying out, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And we are called to be the voice of hope because we are a people of hope. Is that right? Can I get a witness on that? We are a voice of hope. Look, there should be no such thing as a pessimistic Christian. We bring to this world hope. Therefore, we are optimists and we are futurists. We have a great future ahead of us. It may look like darkness all around us right now, but we have a great future ahead of us and we are carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. And Jesus is here pleading with us all. Can I get a witness? Will anyone share about the hope they have of eternity with Christ? Will we as a church leave here today with an intent to stop for one person who just simply happens to be there? Anyone feel stirred up? 
I feel stirred up myself. This is the second time I've preached it though, so I'm really stirred up. But uh, it's a massive, I know it's a massive challenge, and it's, but I wanna keep it easy. Keep it simple. The Gospel of Jesus is a simple Gospel and it's free. We can give it away. People don't have to pay for it. They gotta give their life for it, but it's free. So we have an opportunity this morning to be a part of that. Can I get a witness? What a great start to the series. And I know you're gonna be blessed by it um, as time goes on. So Father, I pray, let's, let's pray. Father, I thank You. I thank You for those who have just stirred their hearts. Lord, where You've stirred their hearts enough to know what it is to have enough faith to make a decision about their own relationship with Jesus. But Lord, I pray for every single one of us here in this room that there is enough faith stirred up in us to understand how simple the gospel can be and how simple the reality of being able to just to stop from our go, go, go and to, to, to be with people who just happen to be there. And in our being with people, that we carry something of a work of God. Again, that ignition of faith, that that power that comes from, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit loves to give Himself (laughs) to others. He doesn't hold it to just one person. He wants, and and He calls us to share Him. And I pray, Lord, that You would help us to be that, be all of that. Help us this week, even tomorrow just to stop and to share. Stop and to give a word. Stop and to bring love. Stop and to have concern. Stop and to have compassion. Stop to be empathetic. To stop with just those who just happen to be there. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless everybody. Thanks so much. We trust you enjoyed this message. And if you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch. You can either visit our website or email us at info at annasbrook.co.nz. 